0: Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome to our listeners for this special series of conversations with Joni Petty, during which we'll be talking about how to sleep your way to the top. Now, Joni is the CEO of Resilient People. In a nutshell, she really helps people learn how to bounce forward, especially after setbacks, challenges or adversity. Joni is lucky enough to live her dream and does this in various ways. As an executive coach working one on one with individuals, As a behavioral strategist, maximizing team cohesion, and especially in the new hybrid world of work, and as a keynote speaker, sharing simple biohacks to help all of us bounce forward. In fact, when Joni describes her purpose on the planet, she says, I help people boost their energy, mental and emotional agility. I do this by sharing simple, actionable biohacks to enable people to bounce forward after challenges to living their most optimal life. Welcome, Joni.
1: Thank you, Karen. Great to be with you again.
0: Fantastic. So today is our second episode in our Sleep Your Way to the Top series. And today we're going to be focusing more on the latest sleep research. So tell us exactly what
1: are the experts saying? So Karen, let's start with uh, diagnosing sleep problems. So the experts are saying, let's look at the sleep issues. There's a tremendous amount of research around the world. There's no shortage of research candidates. I think we did say in our first uh, episode, and it's worth repeating, 66% of the adult population in developed countries have sleep issues. So there are lots of people to research. Insomnia now is a a big topic of research around the world, and it's actually classified as its own disorder. It's not a secondary disorder. I'm not going to delve into all of these various classifications and the DSMs, and around the world, there are many classifications, because those are mainly used for research But what I do want to say is that we need to look at kind of two types of insomnia, acute insomnia, and that's triggered by a stressor. So, Kieran, I know you moved countries, um, you know, lots of people I know are immigrating and moving countries, or perhaps people are moving house, or they've got an injury, so they have physical pain. That kind of precipitating factor or stressor may really give you acute insomnia, so you're battling to sleep. So what I want us to take into account is that that happens, that is life, okay? Life is about suffering and change, and we, at times in our life, we are going to battle to sleep. What the research shows and the experts say is that 75% of cases of acute insomnia sleep will come back. It comes back after the stressor or or that precipitating factor has been removed. So you've moved house, you've moved country, or you've got over your injury, and now you can get back into good sleep patterns. However, the research is showing 25% of cases of acute insomnia becomes chronic insomnia. And that's what I, I really worry about, is that people now have these perpetrating factors And these could be cognitive factors, so they haven't slept well for a period of time. We look at chronic insomnia as people who haven't slept well after about three months. That's what the research shows. So now they're getting into what we say is the cognitive issues. So it starts to get dark, um, and they're going, oh, my goodness, am I going to sleep tonight? Or as they're brushing their teeth, they're worried they're not going to sleep. In fact, sleep becomes a daily event that needs to be managed, so it becomes a big cognitive problem. Or perhaps it's a behavioural problem. So people are with chronic insomnia, lying in bed for hours, and they, you know, the less they can fall asleep, the more anxious they become, the more cortisol is produced in their body, and they're just not doing anything about it. They're just lying there and worrying. So research is showing that, uh, and doctors, I'm thrilled to say, are now believing and noting that cognitive behavior therapy is far more effective than sleeping pills, hypnotic drugs. So I'm seeing, I've belonged to a course and a hospital in the UK called Integrative Medicine, the Royal Hospital of Integrative Medicine, and in South Africa. And doctors are now starting to take cognitive behavior therapy seriously and not just dishing out sleeping pills. So that's a big shift forward in the research, which I'm absolutely thrilled about.
0: That's fantastic because, you know, typically, right? And like you say, up to now, you know, if you've had trouble sleeping, you're either firstly ignored or secondly, you're medicated. Neither of those two options are, are really viable. And tell me quickly, you spoke around the transition from acute to to chronic. Is there something that kind of happens in between if it is You know, is there a behavioral pattern that you maybe pick up uh, that makes people transition from acute to chronic that we can kind of short circuit?
1: There is. We get into bad, and we're going to talk about this in episode three. We just get into bad sleep hygiene habits. So, acute to chronic, we just start, the habits are bad, you know. So, you're moving house and now you're up till late at night, you know, doing spreadsheets of things and lists and whatever, whatever. And you get into bad habits where you actually are on your computer until late and uh, therefore you can't, you battle to get to sleep. Doctors are are really differing in how they measure acute to chronic, except to say, you know, naught to three months is acute, three months plus becomes chronic. So the leap into chronic is a perpetuating factors. So you just, you you know, mentally you're going, oh my goodness, I'm probably not going to have a good night's sleep again tonight. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So we start, the more we worry about sleep, the less we're able to sleep. We become very anxious about it. And then the body says, stay awake, stay awake. There's something to fear. You know, let's produce more cortisol. Let's <laughs> keep the, the brain in hyper arousal. So, it actually, we get into that horrible, horrible vicious circle when we go from acute to chronic.
0: And tell me, is there research around what actually happens to your body when you don't
1: sleep? Why is the such a bad thing? So, now I'm going to say take a deep breath because I'm going to give you some scary stats. There's a lot mm-hmm. that happens to your body. Um, I'm not going to go into, you know, the cardiovascular diseases and dementia and alzheimer's and strokes etc i don't want to go there i want to be more practical i want to say you know this you may not be suffering from acute or chronic insomnia you may just be sleep deprived because there's a lot on the go in your life so what is that what happens to your body is a hell of a good question is that you do and you will suffer from daytime dysfunction. So even if you don't have that kind of nodding head feeling in South Africa, we call it the wildebeest nod when your head just nods two o'clock in the afternoon, your brain, your bodily functions and your brain suffers the most behind your forehead is a little section of the brain, which is called the prefrontal cortex. That's the executive functioning of the brain that will not work well. You will not be making good decisions in your business or in your home life so your body will definitely take strain from a mental acuity perspective in fact we do know that if you've been awake for about 21 hours karen you are legally drunk so i mean i was laughing with a group of doctors on a insomnia course and we were saying, well, if you've been awake for 21 hours, not only is your brain not functioning and you're legally drunk, but you probably have had a few toots, <laughs> a bit of booze, mm-hmm. and you're probably drunk. So <laughs> actually, it's not a good state of affairs if you've had three or four hours sleep. On the flip side, I just want to say something positive amongst these scary stats is that research shows that if you teach someone some new information or a new concept, and then you say to them, hang on, you know, go and have a 20-minute power nap they will actually wake up and their recall of that information will be far higher than someone else who's just carried on working. So we know that when you sleep, your learning centers and your brain operate beautifully and you start to consolidate the learning of the day. And I have to say practically here, if I just you know personalize this, Is there sometimes during my day where I'm learning a new concept or I'm trying something new or I'm studying, I'm a continuous learner, I'm on another course, is I might go, gee, I feel like my brain is really full. You know, that feeling where it's yummy and it's full, but you like, it's saturated, is I absolutely will go and have a 20-minute power nap. And uh, that research is robust, that you'll wake up and you will recall more. So that's good, good news. Let's go back to some more scary stats. Um, Mental health is a big topic worldwide. There's a lot of research now linking sleep to depression. What we do know, the latest research that's been shared, is that people with insomnia are four to eight times more likely to suffer depression. That's horrible, Kieran. People who have insomnia for over a year are 40 times more likely to suffer depression. There is a kind of issue factor here, if you suffer depression, you may suffer insomnia. You know, it works both ways, obviously. But um, if you have got, you know, a stressor in your life and you're battling to sleep just for a short period of time, I want us to address that. And we can do that on, on our sleep course, because you don't want to suffer chronic insomnia and then this high likelihood of depression setting in. The brain just can't function without sleep. So that's a big topic. Another topic is obesity. Um, and that's something that worries me, it really does. In fact, my teenage children, you know, always tease me about saying, you know, don't don't say anything to family members who are having ice cream for breakfast, mom, zip it, <laughs> I can't help mm-hmm. it. We'll always say something about those, those kinds of bad habits. But research with uh, sleep and obesity, if you are sleeping less than five hours, the odds of obesity are eight times more likely so i have a lot of my corporate mates who are sleeping five hours and a lot of them are spreading and now that we're back to in-person meetings i'm seeing the COVID spread it's really not good <laughs> so post you know in COVID, people haven't slept well we've got this term COVID insomnia Um, so five hours you're eight times more likely to uh, suffer obesity this one kieran i know you've got young children this is a horrible stat we know that children should sleep eight to nine hours they should have a little more sleep If they're sleeping less than nine hours and they're not active children, and I see some of those in in my coaching practice, their obesity odds are up. They're three times more likely to be obese. Sleep and obesity with all of us, but children, you know, we're seeing more and more obesity issues with children. And then uh, the last stat, really, that I want to give you is around lack of sleep and the impact on your immune system. So we're in a world of COVID, we're in a world of ongoing pandemics. This is going to be the new way of life. Um, I've seen a lot of people suffering at the moment with colds and people are going, OK, it's not COVID, it's a cold, it's a cold. But yes, if you sleep less than six hours a night, you're likely to get a cold. If you sleep less than five hours a night, you're far more likely to get pneumonia. And if you sleep less than five hours a night, your body's response, your antibody response to vaccination is lowered. And we really got to take into account that uh, sleep is the Swiss army knife of health. And it's going to affect your brain. It's going to affect your emotions and dementia. It's going to affect your body weight, and it's going to affect your immune system. So those are just some practical, scary stats to make people sit up and listen to sleep your way to the top.
0: Absolutely, and, and they are scary, and particularly what you mentioned around, you know, the first thing you probably noticed if somebody hasn't slept well is kind of their emotional state or their, their mood. They have a, a much shorter fuse, don't they? None of us can deny that you really do see the obesity. You notice that in others, and you can see they're not eating much differently or they're grabbing for those carbohydrates or sugar snacks during the day, but you, you can actually just see that lifestyle just being perpetuated through that, particularly in groups where, with shift workers, et cetera. I think that's incredibly pronounced as well because there's just no regular rhythm, which is why, you know, often in hospitals, you'll observe that, that nursing staff tend to be a little bit more overweight than the average person.
1: Spot on the money, Kieran. And actually, we have so much research on shift workers and especially on nurses, funny enough, to your point. And uh, when we talk about this at, you know, our insomnia clinics with medical people is we often laugh about the fact, and we'll go into this in more detail, I think it's in episode four or five around eating habits. But you know, the body, when you haven't slept, it produces this horrible hormone called ghrelin, which just makes you really hungry. And we often laugh about the fact if you sleep deprived, your ghrelin shoots up. Yes, we know that you know, biologically, but you are not hungry for a salad. You are hungry for a donut or a starchy, you know, big thick sandwich or, you know, bun of sorts. It's just, uh, it's inextricably linked. And I mean, the body, it's just, I find that, you know, if I've had a night where I haven't slept well because of a sick child or a dog or whatever, whatever, the next morning I'm like, jeepers, bring on that toast. And, you know, luckily I've got enough uh, nutrition insight to go like, okay, toast and avo will be Okay. But um, in my younger years, it would have been toast with peanut butter and lots of syrup on top to get me going. Just to, just to give
0: you that edge. So, Tony, yeah. those are some really frightening statistics. And so based on that, what are you advising people? Where, where do we start? We know we're in a sleep crisis or at least a sleep deprivation crisis. But where do we start to solve this, given the, the frightening statistics you just mentioned?
1: Yeah. I am, I would like people just to start to reframe their thinking around sleep. I'm loving the fact that there's so much research and lots in the media about sleep. And if they, Kieran, if they start making friends with the fact that you need to sleep seven to eight hours a night, you need to prioritize that. I've just been away for with a family weekend and a big birthday celebration. You know i was the first family member to say you know what i'm tired and this is lovely we are all together i've been up since you know early bills because i'm a runner i'm going to sleep so i prioritize it i don't care where i am who i'm with so if you prioritize start with prioritizing trying to get seven hours sleep a night and just inching it forward if you're only getting six inches forward to get six and a quarter hours a night so that's where you start And of course, it's a beautiful, virtuous circle then, isn't it? Because you wake up, you're bright and fresh and breezy. Your brain will be smarter and um, you'll have a better day. Uh, it's really important to start with hours, number of hours, and just going like this is a priority in my life. I'm going to sacrifice other things and not my sleep. We talk a lot about that on our um, on our sleep as your superpower our online course. Fantastic!
0: And tell me something. How have you implemented uh, these findings, like you've mentioned, and other ones, into your sleep as your superpower online course?
1: We've taken a lot of the cognitive behaviour therapy work, and we've made it very simple and easy for people. So getting good sleepers, both an art and a science. Um, we've looked at what can you do, what are really clever little hacks that you can do on a daily basis so that you're not overwhelmed by this you know, issue of not sleeping. So uh, we really, my big thing is what's easy, what's simple, how do we integrate it? We don't give a lot of the science that I've given you here. We, uh, we just, they're very practical daily tips. What can I do differently?
0: Joni, I've really enjoyed our time together today. We've touched on a few elements to frame our future conversations in our Sleep Our Way to the Top series. And I'm looking forward to part three in which we'll start really getting to grips with uh, you know sleep hygiene and what we can actually put into practice. You know, In that episode, you'll be giving us the ins and outs of practicing that good sleep hygiene. And I think it's gonna be incredibly valuable. So really looking forward to our next session Uh, Just to make our listeners aware, Joni is launching a Sleep is Your Superpower online course. It's a short 10-module course full of funky videos, downloadable PDFs, and tricks to really sort out your sleep issues. Um, She has called it Eat, Move, and Other Lifestyle Tricks to Make Sleep Your Superpower. It is important here just to add at the end of this podcast that Joni is not a medical professional and is not providing medical advice. Instead, she is sharing her knowledge based on the latest research and her bounce forward model for sustained resilience. And always please remember to to consult your healthcare practitioner before starting any new health regime. Joni, thank you so much for your time. Looking
1: forward to to part three and what we're going to learn. Part three and steep hygiene, I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you, Karen. <laughs>